And here we are back again, the Stay In It podcast. I have a guest with me today, Tyler Hindinger, who is a re- Assistant Regional Director at Peerstar, a campaign advisor for Life Unites Us, and a fitness instructor. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. So, so Tyler, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the, tell the listeners <laughs> a little bit about yourself as, uh, yeah, go ahead. I think that's a really broad question. Yeah. Well, what do you do? What do you do? And explain a little bit about the being assistant director at Peerstar and campaign advisor for Life Unites Us and fitness instructor, and we'll roll from there. Okay. So, I mean, I ob- I, I do all of those things because they all promote wellness. Like, they are all things that um, align with my beliefs and with my values and with what I strive for in my life and so it is very easy for me to work at pure star and for life unites us and at a gym because it just naturally keeps me surrounded by wellness and things that i believe in amen that's a good that's a good thing and you you like to help others it seems in these in these positions (laughs) yeah um that you know further that which is which is great you want to have people who who if you guys hear any things pounding, my, my dog Spirit has been quite the crazy man. He broke through the door uh, as Tyler got here, and I was it was crazy. I was going to say, hey, I have a crazy dog. Um, I was going to text you that, and then you pulled up, and he went right through the door. It was, it was nuts. So I and he's apologize. been on my lap since then. Yeah, he's been on her lap. He forgot all about me, but it's okay. Uh, thanks, man. But, uh, yeah, so... Okay, so you're the assistant regional director, campaign advisor, fitness instructor. Um, before we get into how you got into all that, let's do a little bit of a grounding technique here. Okay. Um, I like to do this on the podcast. Five things you see, and we'll you can start it off. Um, I see all of your post-it notes. <laughs> like I hear about them all the time when I listen yeah. to your podcast and like whenever we talk, and um, so it's just interesting seeing them in person. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Post-it notes. I see. Mm -mm -mm. I see a picture of the Last Supper on a piece of wood that my neighbor had given me about six months ago and I hung it up over my TV. Okay. Amen. All right, we got three more things that you see. Okay. We'll just go back and forth. All right, so I see, what is this thing in the corner with the the numbers on? Like, is that like a measuring stick? What is that? Yeah, so my grandfather was a surveyor and uh, he would survey in buildings for, you know, safety and things like that. So that's an old time measuring stick for like, uh, for walls and rooms. So fun fact, I, every desk that I have, whether it's at my home or in my office, like I have a desk, like I have one thing that I always keep on a desk or like in my office area and it's a ruler from my grandfather. Interesting. Interesting. Well, there's a giant ruler from my grandfather right there. Um... Uh, da, da, da. I have two spin bikes in here. You do. Uh, one, I'm giving to one of my clients. That's a good one. And then Betty right here. This is my oldest bike. I found her in a dumpster uh, in 2017, and she changed my life. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel, as a, as a spin instructor, I feel inadequate that my spin bike does not have a name. Mm. And that I only have one. You might have to do it. Oh, yeah. That's a thing now. Yeah. Um, okay, so I also see... Uh, stay in it, hoodie. Stay in it, hoodie. Hey. Here we are. All right. Amen. All right. Four things to touch. I'm touching my pen that I'm also taking notes with in this podcast. 
All right, uh, touching the chair. Now that we're sitting in. I'm touching my dog. Also touching the dog. I don't have a choice though. Um, touch phone. There you go, phone. Stay off the phone. Okay, three things that you hear. I hear, um, we're watching a, a nature thing on YouTube and it has some like calming music. It's good. Okay. I hear the, I hear the, the dog hitting the table yeah. every so often. <laughs> and I hear, vaguely hear my radio that's always on my grandparents' radio. It has K-Love on. Okay. Two things you smell. Puppy breath. Puppy breath. And I'll say my coffee that I have. And one thing you taste. Um, my coffee that I have. There we go. All right. Good. We hit all of them. Nice and grounded. Okay. We're all grounded now, ready to proceed. So tell us, um, where did this all start? How did you start getting into all this and your story, wherever you want to go, as deep as you want to go, as crazy as you want to go, let's hear it. Oh boy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I... If you would have asked me like two and a half years ago about like my wellness journey and recovery and like that kind of stuff, like I probably would have been so confident and been like, I have this figured out, right? Um, but you know, I think that like a big part of my journey really started two years ago. Two years ago. Um, but prior to that, I um, found myself, so I'm in, I'm in recovery from substance abuse. I also am in recovery from my own mental health, um, journey. And I found myself at like 20 years old, getting a job at an inpatient rehab for substance abuse. And that kind of just sparked my passion for helping other people. And that's where everything kind of started from. And I, is it cause you saw people or <laughs> connect with them or like I, remember sitting at this job not knowing anything like I like myself was just very like I was finding myself I was getting my life put together I was like 30 seconds sober myself um like 30 seconds sober. yeah I probably like I tell people all the time I probably had no right working there but and what I, year was this this was in 2009 2009 and like okay. I went into this interview and I literally didn't say a word like I just sat down and they looked at me and they the, the, the person doing the interview just started talking and at the end of it he was like so you want to work here and I just shook my head yes <laughs> and he's like cool you're hired oh, and like wow. I literally didn't say anything through that whole interview and so that I think they was knew. like my my higher power like God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself in right. that first step of the way He'll certainly do that. And so I started working at this rehab and I worked my way up from a behavioral health technician to a case manager and then they let me come on as an assistant counselor. Wow. And by this time I knew that helping people was going to be my passion. And I had originally gone to school for business management and marketing because at first I wanted to be the boss because hmm. I didn't want people to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. But then I've, I stumbled into this job just by chance or divine inspiration or something and um, that's where I ended up finding my passion and I ended up seeing that like I wasn't the only person that thought and felt the way that I thought and felt and I started realizing that I think a lot of the problem for me growing up was I felt isolated I felt like nobody could relate and nobody could understand and I felt like if more people could know that they're not alone in that like there's something profound and powerful there Amen. And so I just had this passion like ignited in me to help other people. And it, from the very beginning, I wanted it to be kind of holistic um, because I've always seen that connection between mind, body, and spirit. And I um, 
so I was working at this rehab and I ended up just life kind of fell apart for me for a while I relapsed um, I stopped working there and so sh- shortly into and what year was this and that was in 2013 okay so we're we're four years a you're still at the same place? I was at the same place. Okay. I had worked my way up. Um, I was an assistant counselor. I was, you know, in school for psychology. Um, I, yeah, like life was good until it wasn't all oh. of a sudden because I forgot to take care of myself. Like I got so fixated on everybody else that mm. I forgot to acknowledge me. That's and so point. with four years clean and sober while actively involved in a church and like, you know, doing all of these things that like life, like society would have thought that like I had a good life. Like I had the white picket fence, I had the shiny car, I had the dream job, I had it all. And I woke up every morning wanting to die. Um, I was depressed and I was miserable and I wasn't taking care of myself and I was like neglecting me in pursuits of helping other people. And so like that was the first major lesson that I learned, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, like helping other people and having a heart for helping people, but also remembering to have a heart for yourself. Yeah, and you you can't pour from an empty cup. No, we you talk about that sure all the time, can't. You know? We do. Yeah, for um, real. That's a common phrase that we throw back and forth. It's true. It is. Um, and so that was like a really hard lesson for me to learn. And I, you know, got back on track and I um, <clears throat> started, you know, working with a woman who was mentoring me and helping me. And, um, and she had kind of directed me to Peer Star. And so I got hired as a CPS there. Um, And I started helping people in that capacity. When was this? That was in 2013. So 2013. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You've been a CPS or... I got certified in 2013. And I did that um, while also working at another... So I kept... I was a CPS until 2016. I also, um, like waitress and worked at a gas station and um like an inpatient facility again at a different inpatient facility for substance abuse and um you know like I used that time to really start to find myself and to you know correct the the places where I had gone wrong in the past and really just start to grow and develop myself as an individual and I um, how did you know to do that like what were things that like what pushed you to be like, hey, I got to start taking care of myself because you're, you're, you're looking back now and saying, hey, I wasn't taking care of myself. What was those things that like clicked in you or was it just something or, or was it a series of events or? Um, I think that like I knew whenever I, like I saw myself probably from 2012 until 2013, I watched myself like just slowly disappear kind of like pull back from life disengage I was sleeping more often I was clearly depressed like you know like what was making you depressed just a lot of life circumstances I think a lot of stress a lot of pressure um I'm a very like driven individual and I put a lot of pressure on myself and so I realized that I was just not being kind to myself um and I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do to be well. I wasn't addressing like <clears throat> old traumas. I wasn't addressing the stuff from the past. I wasn't addressing the things that, you know, led to my substance abuse in the first place. I wasn't addressing the things that led to my depression in the first place. I was, you know, hoping that I could just keep like pushing through life and eventually one day I would wake up and it would just be better. Yeah. And not have to do the work. Yeah. 
And then I realized, yes. And then I realized in 2013, like I had to do the work. Um, You know, going to church and sitting in the front row wasn't enough. Like there had to be work. There had to be, you know, action and, you know, effort on my behalf. Um, So what did you start? What did you do to start this, this work? So I um, jumped into 12-step recovery, and like I said, I had this woman oh, who started okay. mentoring me. Okay. So I started working through the 12 steps of, um, of uh, you know, recovery, and I just started putting that into practice in my life. And it wasn't just something that I was like talking about anymore or you know, teaching other people about, it was something that I was starting to live for myself. And so I started there. Um, I realized that I probably felt like junk all the time because I wasn't taking care of my body. So I started exercising. I started slowly drinking more water and drinking less caffeine. And then from there I started, um, you know, like changing a few things in my diet here and there. And it wasn't something that I did drastically and instantly. It was stuff that I did slowly over time. Um, I just started getting involved in different um, you know, like groups of friends. Like I started branching out. I started making mm. new associations. I started. Did you have to say no to old friends or situations that weren't good for you? I did, but that is something else that kind of happened slowly over time for me. Okay. Um, like, there were some people that had to go like pretty immediately, but since I had already had like that four years of like kind of navigating sober life, a lot of those people had already gone. Um, and so I just started doing the work, you know, people said, Hey, why don't you try thinking a different way? Why don't you try behaving a different way? Why don't you, who are these people? Um, like people from church, people from Ah, 12 step recovery, people from work, people that I had just naturally started to form associations and connections with. And I think that the biggest turning point for me was I just became willing Like, I became willing to do whatever it was going to take to make me stop feeling the way that I was feeling. And so, like, I say all the time, like, if somebody would have told me to, like, stand on my head in the corner and, like, recite the serenity prayer forwards and backwards for an hour, I probably would have done it. Because, like, I was just so desperate for change at that point in time in my life. And um, I, you know, made that decision that I never wanted to feel that way again. And... So I just started down this path and this journey of taking suggestions and doing new things and, you know, being open-minded to what other people had to say and had to offer and finding what worked for me. And so you asked like, you know, how did I know that something was like not okay with me? Like, I think deep down we know. Yeah. And I think that if we're willing to take the time to sit with ourselves for even just a little bit, it becomes pretty clear. And if we take the time to get to know ourselves a little bit, it becomes even clearer, like, what our bodies and our minds and our souls need. That's a really good point. Um, Like, getting quiet with yourself and and trying to get to know yourself. Yeah. That was a big thing for me, and I don't know if I've really touched on it much, because I was living when I was drinking a lot, partying a lot. I was living for, like, everyone else or what I thought I should be or avoiding everything. And, like, you... If you're avoiding the things that you're, 
you know, that are painful, that you need to look at, mm -hmm. then you're not really being like, you don't really know yourself. Yeah, you and you're not healing. Away. Yeah, you're not he Oh, yeah, you're not Like, healing if you're running and you're not acknowledging, some, not, like, acknowledging yeah. what's wrong, you're not healing. No. You're prolonging the pain. Yeah, you're yeah, prolonging yeah. the suffering. And in a lot of ways, digging a deeper wound. Yes. And, like, mm -hmm. I think that that's what I was doing up until that time in my life. And I think that even... Up until two years ago, I was doing that to an extent. Yeah. And I thought that I was doing better because yeah. I was doing things differently and I was healing and I was making progress and I wasn't the person that I was in 2013, waking up every morning wanting to die. Yeah. Um, but I also wasn't acknowledging everything. Yeah. And I, um, so I, you know, continued on this path and like this journey until 2016 and then I ended up, um, getting married and I had my daughter and I ended up being a stay-at-home mom for four years and that was a wild 2020 ride until 2019 okay so it was like it was a month shy it was December of 2019 okay. um, so it was like a month shy of exactly four years of being a stay-at-home mom and what I didn't realize during that time period though was that I was in a relationship with that I was just in a really toxic relationship and it escalated so quickly and so smoothly that I didn't even realize it. And so even though I was educated on mental health and I was educated on abuse and I was educated on all of these things, I didn't see it happening within myself and in my relationship until it was too late. And, um, and too late means... <laughs> um, until too late means that like I... Um, found like in September of of 2019 things started to get pretty bad between my ex-husband and I okay. and um we it, it was just a horrible time period and that was like again where I was like waking I was back to waking up every morning wanting to die and I was waking up every morning like you know doing all of the things that I was taught to do to be well and didn't feel well anymore so, so what do you do with that? Yeah, yeah, that was a scary point in time in life. Yeah. Um, so that's where like I I threw myself into counseling. Like I got a counselor and I started going to counseling and I started doing counseling with my ex-husband at the time. And you know, like that wasn't working either. And um that marriage came to a very abrupt halt in December of 2019. And um that marriage ending actually ended up leaving me homeless. Oh, wow. So I was four years without work experience in 2019. I had $60 to my name. I had three outfits um, and I had a car and that was it. I didn't see my daughter for 11 months um, because my that was like another, it was, it was just a really horrible divorce and Lord it was very mercy. toxic. And, um, so what's going through your mind? Oh, like what's going in through December your mind? 2019? Yeah. What's going through your mind? You have $60, you have three outfits. Um, jeez. Like I remember standing in Walmart. So the woman that was sponsoring me, like she was like very concerned for me, obviously. Cause yeah. Like what do you do? Like when you go from being a stay at home mom for four years to, you know, not having your daughter, you're homeless, you have a car, you have three outfits and 60 bucks and jeez. like no job, no work history. Um, yeah, like, what do you do, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, what do you do? Yeah, so, like, I remember, I remember standing in Walmart getting a phone call from the state police saying, like, hey, um, you have a friend that's kind of concerned. Are you okay? Like, are you all right? Like, um, and I was like, 
<laughs> I feel like that's a trick question, but yes, maybe. Um, so thankfully though, like I have an amazing support system. And so I think like the first that's thing important. that you need is a support system. Yeah. And I think that you need those people that are going to stand behind you and, you know, say like, hey, I don't care how messy life gets or how complicated things are, I will be here anyway. You had some people like that? And I did have people like that. I had somebody who, you know, she just immediately opened up her home to me. Oh, and I stayed with her for a week. And then I went and stayed with some other friends for like a week or two. And then I went to stay with um, another friend who let me hang out there until the home that I still live in today was ready because I moved into like a brand new home that was recently remodeled. Um, so within like, yeah, so within three weeks, I was employed. Within six weeks, I had a home. Where Where did you get employed at? I was a waitress at Permani Brothers. Okay. Um. So, yeah, like I just like threw myself into that, and I went back to the basics of the things that I had learned early on in my journey that were keeping me well. Like I threw myself into twelve step recovery. I threw myself into going to the gym. I threw myself into reaching out and making phone calls, and like I probably drove so many people crazy constantly calling them and just saying like I just need somebody to like talk to me just so I'm not alone with my thoughts yeah. because they were so devastating at that time. Were um, you struggling with um, like suicidal ideations or was it just depression? It was honestly like I don't remember a whole lot of that time in my life like yeah. I had a friend who came up to me months later and she said hey I remember that day whenever we were in the coffee shop and I was like what are you talking about like Really? I didn't even remember having coffee with her. Oh, wow. Um, and so I think that was like the only things going through my mind were like, stay clean and sober, stay alive. Like, yeah. if I can stay clean and sober and I can stay alive, anything else is possible. Amen. That's amazing. And so every day was just that battle of stay clean and sober, wow. stay alive. Like, it took me a week and a half to eat a Ziploc bag of Chex cereal. Um, and that's all I ate for like a week and a half. And I, you know, like I was like that heavily depressed and just not able to process reality, I think at that time. But like those were like, I remember that just being my only thoughts, like stay clean and sober, stay alive. When did things start to like get better? Um, so you're, you're working at Permani Brothers. You have, are you with your friend at this time, living at their house? So, yeah, in January, I started working at Permani Brothers. In February, at the end of January, beginning of February. So this is 2020. 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. I moved into my place. Okay. Um, I had, like, I don't know why, but, like, everybody just had twin-sized mattresses. Like, that's, like, the only furniture I had hey. in my house. Like, I had, like, this couch from, like, the 70s. I had like two dressers and I had like seven twin mattresses. <laughs> so that's awesome. Everybody was sitting on twin mattresses. Yeah. And like everybody that I knew just started saying, like, hey, I have this and just gave me stuff. Wow. And so like before I know it, like I have a closet full of clothes and I have a house just full of really random furniture. And um I'm waitressing and I'm like working as much as possible and I'm going to meetings and I am just connected with my support group and meetings, I meetings like like 12 step meetings. Okay. Um, I was going to the gym multiple times a week. I was, you know, just doing everything that I knew would keep me well. Now let me ask me you going. this. Let me ask you this question. Um, how easy would it have been for you to just been like, screw it and like turn and, and maybe go use or something like that? That would have been the easiest. Yeah. 
Like yeah. that would have been the easiest alternative. Did those thoughts come into your mind? Absolutely. Like, yeah. absolutely. So when that happened, what did you, what do you do? What like, do I do? When those thoughts come in and you're like, man, this is, I have nothing. What are you focused on? What are you thinking about? Um, How do you switch out of that and not do that? So another really vital piece for me during that time was I continued to work with my counselor that I was working with. And I was meeting with my counselor like twice a week, probably cool. in the beginning. Um, and so it was just a lot of like, you know, taking those thoughts and acknowledging them and not just trying to push them away, not just trying to run from them, but like acknowledging those thoughts and like kind of calling them out and calling them by name. And, you know, like acknowledging you are a possibility. Like relapse is a possibility at any given time. Even me sitting here in your home, for me, I could leave here and relapse could be a possibility. And so acknowledging that and acknowledging that like depression is a possibility. And at any given time, I have the choice to either give into that feeling, feeling and that thought or pick a different option. Wow, that's powerful. And so, so awareness is a big part of this. Absolutely. Yeah. So like support, um, acknowledging thoughts and feelings, calling them by name, being aware of those things, um, you know, doing the things, having a routine. Like my mm. routine was vital in the beginning. Okay. Explain um, that. So like I had a set schedule at work. I had, and then from there I like filled it in with like meetings. And from there I filled it in with time with friends and my support system. And so like, I kind of like just went down the list of priorities. Like, okay, work is a priority. I have to rebuild my life. I need money to do that. Uh, aside from that, mental health and substance abuse and staying clean and sober and staying alive is a priority. So what do I need to do that? I have to go to meetings. I have to be connected to my support system. I have to be meeting with my counselor. I have to be going to the gym. I have to be doing all of these things. And then from there, it was like meal prepping. Yeah. So like there were certain days of the week that I would meal prep. So I knew that I was eating well throughout the week and I was nourishing my body so it could keep fighting the battle that I was fighting. Now, as you are continually doing this and staying consistent, are you building confidence in yourself through this? Absolutely. Yeah. And then, so we're in January, February of 2020, right? 2020, okay. What came in March of 2020? COVID. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. And yeah. I was a waitress. Oh, yeah. I was I was a server at that time too. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So, I um I had to leave. One second. One second. Okay, we're 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 back. Sorry I had to do a, a bathroom break. <laughs> um, <laughs> Drinking a lot of water, but yeah, 20 March, 2020 in COVID. Yeah. So, go um, ahead. so March, 2020 COVID, right? So I got really, really scared and fearful because remember I hadn't worked in four years. I was a oh, stay at home yeah. mom. So I was like, I don't get unemployment. And you've only been working since January. So a month, two months, three months in like two months, two months, right? And so I reached back out into like, you know, the human services field and I jumped right back into that. And um, that's kind of like what got me back to helping people. And um, I was working there and I went back to, to Primanis whenever we opened back up in the summer. Um, but I started like having health problems and it just wasn't feasible for me to be waitressing anymore. And so I quit there and I just went full time back into, um, behavioral health. And 
I stayed there for a while. I was going to school. So all through this, though, I'm like a full-time student. Yeah, I was I was wondering that. Like, yeah. So do you through, have do your degree at this point? Or? No. So at this time, okay. like, I'm still a full-time student. Okay. I'm like, you know, navigating, rebuilding my life. I'm, you know, trying to process all of this trauma. I am back working in human services. I am, you know, sponsoring and mentoring other women through all of this. Oh, wow. And I, um, my counselor said, you know, like, Tyler, you need to get back to, like, doing, you know, something for you that helps keep you well. And that's where I got the idea to go back to, you know, teaching fitness. Okay. Um, it was something that was good for me. It was something that I was passionate about. It was a healthy outlet for me. Um, even though, like, it's a responsibility that kind of sits on my plate, it's something that provides more wellness for me than you know stress from responsibility and so I got back into that in like um that time frame and so November of last year is when my daughter finally came back into my life wow and um and you've had no contact with her for 11 months I had no contact 11 months wow that had to be extremely challenging it was awful um and so like life kind of started to sort itself back out for a little bit there Um, And for a while, life was just, like, kind of good. Good. You know, like, I I was, like, dating this guy, and everything was, like, great, and he was wonderful, and he was amazing, and I was getting my daughter back, and I was, like, back working in human services, and I felt like I had a purpose, and, you know, like, life was okay again. And then in the spring, like, I just kept getting this nudge that, like, something needed to change. And, um... And then summer rolls around and I'm like a couple of weeks away from finishing my degree and I just started applying for jobs and um, you know like things were kind of like moving forward with the boyfriend we were talking about moving in together and I remember sitting in my old boss's office and I was like I have a feeling that like everything's about to change and I said I feel like in the next couple of weeks, like, I don't know where I'm going to be living. I don't know where I'm going to be working. I don't know what my relationship status is going to be. I don't know what things are going to look like with my child. I don't, I was like, I don't know, but I feel like something is about to change. And within three weeks, I was the assistant regional director at Pure Star. I was single and no longer moving in with my boyfriend. I had my daughter full time and I, life just changed (laughs) like instantly overnight. Wow. And that period of time taught me that like I think that I was holding on to a job that I wasn't meant to stay at anymore yeah not because it was bad and not because it wasn't good but just like it was my time to let go of that and step Mm. into something that I felt that I wasn't qualified for because I was taking all of my stuff from the past and letting that hold me captive and keep me stuck and convince me that I wasn't worthy of something more or something better and that I wasn't capable of that you know I um oh what did it, it was Tony Robbins I was just listening to him yesterday and he said, if you're driving a car and you're driving your car by looking in the rear view mirror, you're eventually going to crash. Oh my gosh, yes. So it's like, you got to look through, you got to look forward, be present, mm-hmm. hashtag stay in it, <laughs> but, look, but, but looking towards the future in a healthy way. Yeah. Wow. That's, and, that's powerful. And so like I, I changed careers and then I realized that like that relationship it was great and I loved that relationship, but I think that it was also holding me back also. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I started letting go of all of these things that I thought that I needed and that I thought was like just my spot in life, life just started to change drastically and very quickly. Um, and I 
within like you know a week of of you know like saying that I was at a new job and then a week of saying that like two weeks later I was you know like single and like finding myself again and coming back to life and kind of just like feeling and like renewed Mm -hmm. um I went on two vacations I went (laughs) and I um you know just started to like look at life as an adventure again and I tried to like see how I could openly explore life in the world around me and I made a conscious decision that I was not going to let fear hold me back and I was just going to start saying yes to opportunities that presented themselves Mm -hmm. even when I didn't feel like I was qualified that's powerful too and I also made a conscious decision that I was going to start talking to strangers So, Why is that? Because I've, I've always been afraid of talking to strangers. And I've been afraid of going uh-huh. places on my own. And I have been afraid. Like, I let fear paralyze me for so long. Yeah. And I think, like, the traumatic like breakup. A lot of us do that. Yes. Like, I think that the traumatic breakup with my ex-husband and the loss of my daughter and, like, just life changing very quickly and very rapidly could have instilled a lot of fear in me. Yeah. And it could have paralyzed me and it could have kept me stuck. Yeah. And I made that conscious decision that I wanted better for myself. And so that's why, like, I took vacations. Like, I traveled by myself, and I made myself talk to strangers while I was traveling. I sat down, and I made a list of all the things that I knew I could fall into as, like, little traps for myself. And I came up with ways to not fall into them. So you write them down? Yes. Wow. So would you say that writing things down is important? Absolutely. Like, we are visual. Like, human beings are visual people. We need to see things in front of us. Mm -hmm. I think that it brings it to life. I think it makes it more real. I think that it makes it something that we can't ignore anymore yeah right and on. also like there's something really powerful in making a to-do list and like checking it <laughs> checking off. it off right <laughs> that's, yeah that's part of my like wellness toolbox because yes like, yo at the end of the day or as you're going through it yeah because like, hey, yeah, your brain I is like did that yes it's done yeah like and so yeah, like i'll wake up every morning good. like i know how insignificant this sounds but like i wake up every morning and i make my bed because i'm already checking something off of the to-do list wait a second that is not insignificant at all do you know jordan peterson no but you're gonna tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of his biggest things is make your bet. Yeah. Because what you had just said, you had done something already. Yes. And like if so your brain is already getting like a reward. Mm-hmm. Like the reward center of your brain is being mm-hmm. ignited first thing in the morning and then your brain's going to want more of that throughout the day. Right. And, and it's nice to have a clean room and a clean bed. Yeah, and it's yeah. nice at the end of the day to come back to that. Yes. And not come to chaos. Right. So like yes. even when I was rebuilding my house and I was like putting it together and I was like slowly but surely like getting real furniture instead of just twin mattresses everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um That's my funny. bedroom was the first room because yeah. I needed a place where I could rest and I could find comfort and I could find peace peace because I knew that that was going to be vital in me rebuilding my life. Amen. He says too, it's like make one room as beautiful as you possibly can and then like start doing that everywhere. Yep. And, and that's what that, I did. You know, remind you, push you forward. I mean, as you see here, I suppose a note says reminders everywhere because I need reminded constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like through setting these little goals and these little challenges for myself of like be more outgoing, talk to strangers. Um, 
you know, go places that I wouldn't typically go. Go, I am a huge fan of that idea. Like you see it all over social media of like, go laugh in the places you cried. Ooh, I never heard that. You've never heard that? No. Oh my gosh, it's so go good. laugh in the places that you've cried. What yes. is that? So what does that mean? So you take the, take the pain away from it and, or like reshape it or what? It's kind of like rewriting like that narrative and that yeah. script, right? Yeah. Because like I found that like as long as I let those places be associated with something negative in my life, I was giving it power and control over me. Yeah. And I wow. refuse to let places and things of my past continue to dictate and control me today. And so, like, whenever I feel something kind of, like, setting in or, like, old feelings coming back or old memories creeping in that are just really unpleasant, like, I will go to those places. Like, I will go and revisit that time of my life or I will physically take myself to those places and I will take somebody with me or I will do something positive in those places so that, you know, when I drive past there or that song comes on the radio or that smell is like, you know, around again, it's not negative anymore. Now there's a positive narrative there too. I think that's too. so important. I really think that's important. And it's powerful. And, 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 and it's like facing those fears again. Yeah. Like fear, and because you know, fear can be you know, a lot of anxiety and you don't want to go live the, the pain, but if you face that pain, change it. Now look at you building your life up. Yeah. Building back stronger. Yeah, <laughs> it's, man. It's pretty cool. Um. Yeah, and so like, you know, just kind of setting those little goals for myself is how I got connected with Life Unites Us. Oh yeah, so what is Life Unites Us? It is a statewide campaign in Pennsylvania that works to break stigma regarding opiate addiction um, and overdose and just addiction and recovery in general. So it's used to break stigma, instill hope, and, you know, educate the general public and, you know, just offer some inspiration to people that are needing it yeah either people who are still stuck in addiction or people who are early in recovery or people in recovery that just need that like breath of fresh air like back in their life so what would you what would you say to people who are are going through maybe they're struggling with addiction right now or in recovery what would you tell them if they're you know look the the lens around them is pretty dark things are pretty pretty hard right now what would you tell them you are like one decision away from a completely different life at any given time because our mind is our biggest battle yeah you know like i had to get to that point in 2013 where i was determined not to feel that way anymore that was something i had to do within my head and within my my mind and my body and my soul that was a decision that i had to make for myself i had to decide that i did not want to wake up feeling that way anymore and that i was going to do something about it action completes the magic exactly so like it starts with that decision though like i had to make that decision in you know 2019 and i i was at any given moment away from the decision of just going the opposite direction right and so i was one step away from a bad decision at any given time or you know right around the corner from a really good decision also so i this thought just came into my mind what would you say to people who maybe aren't struggling with addiction but they know someone who is or or family that doesn't quite understand maybe people who are going through it uh what what would you say to them advice or or something along the lines that way because i'm sure you faced some some things like that right 
where maybe people yes. didn't understand or there's this stigma, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. Um, so something that I love to tell people and remind people is that love doesn't always look like love. Mm. What do you mean by that? Addiction is just so complicated and baffling. Um, you know, like you love somebody, you want to help them, you want to save them, you want to be there for them, you want to, you know, do all this work and do anything that you can to save the people that you love and be able to keep them in your life and keep them around and help them be healthy and well and, you know, live this life that you know that they are capable of. And so sometimes we will end up taking that concept of love and turn it into enabling. Mm. And sometimes love is setting healthy boundaries for ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes certainly. love is saying no. Yeah. Sometimes love is walking away. Sometimes love is saying, I love you, I just can't watch you do this. Yeah. My little brother in 2013, whenever I relapsed, he came to me and he said, I love you, but I can't watch you kill yourself again. And he had to walk away from me. And I didn't realize the effects that my addiction had the first time around on my siblings. Yeah. They were so much younger than me. I didn't realize that they were affected by that. And I didn't realize how much they saw. And so my little brother had to come to me and say, I love you, but I can't watch you kill yourself again. And he walked out of my life until I got myself back together. Wow. And... Was that, was that something that really, like pushed you forward that was a wake up yeah that was yeah. a big wake up call for me um but like I, I didn't stop going down that path though for another like month or so um because you know like addiction isn't something that you <coughs> you can just bounce back from or you can just stop like for me there had to be like that profound turning point there had to be that moment where like like, I, I tell people all the time, the, the day that I got clean and sober this last time in 2013, um, like, that was not of me. That was not something that I could have done on my own. That was something greater than me and something bigger than me. And I woke up that morning, and for the first time in a really long time, like, I could sit with myself. That's and a good feeling. for the first time in a long time, my head was clear. And then it was instantly followed with, well, what do I do with myself now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow, um, wow. You know, so like, I think that loving somebody or caring for somebody who's in active addiction is just a lot of patience and a lot of boundaries and a lot of heartache. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's not easy. We are not lovable creatures, but we are worth it, you know? beautiful yeah I'm glad you're in the places where you are helping the people that you do and I'm sure a lot of people will take take what you've said here today to heart and hopefully apply it to their lives and what is um what is one big thing that you have learned about yourself through this through this journey of recovery and you know making the decision to to get well in the action what's one what's what's one thing that's that you would love to give to the world to, to say hey this is what I've learned about myself and, Maybe this can help you too. The last two years has taught me so much about myself, only because I was willing to finally learn it. And it has taught me that I am so much more capable than I have ever given myself credit for. And it has taught me that I can actually start to see who I am and who 
everybody else has always seen me to be whenever I'm willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. And that feelings are not factual. Ah. And I have to consistently ask myself, what are the facts about me? And when the facts about me line up with my thoughts and my beliefs about me, I think that that's like true emotional sobriety. And that is true spiritual sobriety. And that is like my true identity. Like when my feelings can align with the facts about me and I realize that I am capable, that I don't need to depend on other people, that I have something to offer to life and that I can be this this positive force and not just consumed by fear and shame and guilt and you know letting circumstances and other things control me like life gets pretty good then amen that's that's powerful when feelings align with the the facts about me yeah, I heard that from a speaker once. Like oh, really? the gist of that like came from a speaker. Wow. But yeah. But it's and so like true. that was something that like wow. was really profound whenever I first heard it and then I started to like materialize that in my life. Mm-hmm. And you it's know a good like lens. yeah, constantly holding myself accountable. Um, you know, like whenever I'm getting anxious, like I ask myself like is this like somatic or is this situational? Is this like me getting in my head or is there something else happening here? Yeah. Where are my thoughts? Where how am I feeling about myself? What what part of me am I allowing to dictate how I feel about me in this moment? And is it factual? Mm-hmm. That's good. I think that's uh, that's a good tactic because our mind, like you said earlier, our mind is real is the real like battlefield, and you can if you're prone to overthinking or you anxiety or fear, mm-hmm. you can go some down some paths in your mind that we're you'll be living in the future or the past and. You really miss out on the present. Absolutely. And when you miss out on the present, you will miss out on the future because mm-hmm. you're not building for it. Yeah. Yoy. So. I also wanted to add though. Yeah, add. Okay, so like I said that like I found out that I was capable and that I didn't have to depend on other people and that like I could rebuild this life by myself, for myself, but I didn't do it by myself. So like I don't want to set that like. Yeah, right. Precedent. Right. Like I have an amazing support group. Like I have people that I can be real and vulnerable and open with. Like I have friends that I can call and I can share my thoughts just raw and uncut and they uh, don't judge me. They don't, you know, respond irrationally. Um, You know, they just like love me regardless and they support me regardless. And they talked to me through all of those feelings. You know, like it was, I texted somebody this morning. I said, this is how I'm feeling. And her response was, I'm here, I'm listening. You know, like find friends friends. like that. (laughs) Yes, it's so important because you can't do it on your, alone. Yeah. You can't do it alone. And you need those, those guidelines. And like we we talked the other day is, I sent it to Proverbs 27, 17 is, you know, is iron sharpens iron. So two, one man sharpens another. Or one woman sharpens another, you know? But it's true. It's because we can fall off and we can get off the path, but it's our friends and our family that love us and see us that, hey, hand out, push forward. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And the willingness to remain teachable. Teachable. That's huge. And to be able to be held accountable by those people. Right. Because it's one thing to ask a friend to hold me accountable. And then when it happens, like, mm-hmm. I have to remain teachable yeah. and willing. Yeah, because pride can get in the way. Exactly. That that comes before the fall, if, uh, and it can blind you. The lens of pride is, uh, it's a hindrance. It's it's not the best. And um, 
Okay, so where can people find you? I don't know. <laughs> Where can I um, find you? Like, where uh, do you live now? No, I was like, um. I mean, like on on socials. Like, if you're if you want people to follow some of the stuff you post, I know you post a lot of inspirational things, and uh, might be good for some people to, to roll with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Facebook. That's about as social as my social media gets. Okay. I'm like technologically just not there. Um, so yeah, I'm on Facebook and. Um, the poor puppy. I know. I know. One second. <laughs> Come here. Go ahead. You can keep talking to him. No pressure, right? He says, go ahead. Keep talking to them as the host of this podcast walks away. Okay. There he goes. He had to go. He's good. He had a good boy. Yeah. Lots okay. of bathroom breaks in this podcast. Yeah. Needed. Yeah. Needed. Like we're at like 50 minutes though, so it's good. So did you tell them where you can find you on Facebook? Okay, so uh, on Facebook, Tyler Eliza. Okay, there we are. So you heard it here. Um, anything else in closing that you want people to know? You can say no. That's like... <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I feel like we need like you listen if you ever do that to other people again you need jeopardy music yeah yeah that'd be good mm-hmm. maybe i can add it in here. maybe we could yeah. that would be a fun little ad i don't know anything in closing mm-hmm. i think that people need to stop selling themselves short that's good life gets so amazing when you stop selling yourself short i mean and like you know like it's your big thing like stay in it right yeah so like stay clean and sober and just stay alive yeah like, Amen. Do the work. Do the work. Do the work. Do the work. Do, do the work. all the work. I think it's... that's what we're going to name this podcast. Do the work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that is like my thing. I yeah. love do the work. You know, like I posted something on Facebook the other day. I was like, you know, when you're scared or you're happy, keep going. When you are, you know, like excited or fearful, keep going. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like one extreme or the other, like just keep going. Stay the course. Keep going. Do the work. Get up every morning. Make your bed. Do the work. And watch your life change. Amen. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners here really appreciate it too. And for y'all out there, thank you for staying with us this long. God bless you. Keep doing the things that keep you well. Keep working hard. Keep going. And as always, stay in it.